0: So I've been praying over the last few days that it wouldn't rain today. The forecast said it would rain, and that would, of course, affect our celebration today. And as you can see, it's not raining. I should have asked for sunshine. should have been more specific in my request. But yeah, that's OK. You get what you ask for, usually. So today we are celebrating in a special way at our parish this annual celebration that we have to honor the Blessed Mother. You know, as Catholics, we are raised with a relationship with Mary like we it's kind of intuitive in us and on some level we take for granted that she's there that she's interceding that we can call out to her in our need but it is important to understand the theology behind it behind her ability to intercede for us to mediate for us so It is Catholic theology, and it's actually, you know, basically all Christians believe this, that there is actually only one mediator, one mediator between God and man, and that is the God-man Jesus Christ. So theologically, there are no other mediators. There can be no other mediators apart from Christ. So how is it that especially we as Catholics always seek the intercession or mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints, the other angels, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, right? Why do we call upon them when the church officially teaches that there's only one mediator? To understand this, we have to understand Christ. St. Paul gives us the clearest teaching of the nature of Jesus Christ and his body. He says that the church is the body of Christ, which means we, Baptized believers make up the members of the body of Jesus. And it's not just some pious understanding. Paul is speaking literally. It's in a mystical way, but it's literally true. That means if you and I are united in the body of Christ and Christ is the one mediator between God and man, then we share in his mediation. We share in his mediation to the degree that we share in his life, we share in his whole life, even his ministry, to bring about the forgiveness of sins and union between man and God. So anyone who is a member of Christ's body has the power within and through Christ to mediate, to intercede on behalf of those in need, specifically sinners. Anybody can do this as long as you're united to Christ through baptism. The more sacraments you have, the stronger your mediation power. The more holy you are, the stronger your ability to mediate. This is why the church also teaches that no one mediates better than Mary. No one can intercede for anyone else better than Mary except her son. But the only reason Mary can intercede for us so well is because she's so perfectly united to Christ, her son. If any of us were united so perfectly, we could intercede, maybe not equal to her, but at least closer in kind. This was always our Lord's intention in creating us in this way. He wanted to bond us to one another as a family. And you know this about family life. To have a happy family, everybody's gotta be working together. But certain members of the family have more power to influence the life of the family than others. Christ as the head of the body obviously is the main factor here. Without the head, the rest of the body is definitely dead. <laughs> but the head alone without the body can't do much good. Mary in a sense is, I mean analogously, like the neck. Jesus is the head, she's the neck. Everything that the head has and receives has to pass through the neck to get to the rest of the body. The food that the head consumes goes through the neck, the air the head breathes, and all of the information that the brain transmits to all the nerves and muscles of the body comes through the neck. This is why the church teaches that Mary is the mediatrix of all graces absolutely all graces, which means any grace that any human has ever received on earth has to come through Jesus. He's the one mediator, but it always comes through Mary as well. Basically, Christ gets it from the Father, Christ gives it to his mother, and Mary gives it to us. Even the, 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 the Muslim who receives grace from God, it comes from Mary. They might not know it but that's the source. Well, no, sorry. Christ is the source, but that's the mediator. This is why we should have such love and devotion to her, because she can do so much for us. Now, sometimes people do worry, can you love the Blessed Mother too much? Can you be a little too devoted to Mary? You know what I'm talking about. These are the crazy Catholics who go about, and they're just a little too Marian. Like, you worry that they think she's the fourth person of the Blessed Trinity or something. So, so I'll illustrate an interesting story. It's a true story. Uh, the, my first year in college, you know, usually at university, there's like a parent's weekend where they invite all the parents, you get to see, and, and the students would put on like skits and shows and things like that. So this weekend, a couple of us decided to put on a skit. Now, this was back in the late 90s, and if you remember, in the 90s, it was really, really popular to have those dating shows on TV. The way that they would do it is they would have a guy or a girl behind a screen, and then three men or three women that you could see, and then they would ask questions, but they couldn't see the person who was responding and then they would have to go on a date with the person that they chose, whether they wanted to or not after that. So you know, it was fun and entertaining, people liked it. So that's what we did. We, we, we created this skit based on that. And so I was the guy behind the screen. I couldn't see the three girls that were there that I had to ask questions of. And w- the way we decided to set up the, the, the women was the different types of girls you can meet at Franciscan University. So that, that was it. So, so just picture this if you will. The first girl, you couldn't have picked out of a crowd. She just looked like every other woman. She didn't have any religious symbols or anything. She wasn't carrying around her Bible, nothing like that. If she was walking around, you wouldn't have known she was Catholic. And her answer to my question, what's your ideal first date? So it was, we'll go to, out to dinner, we'll go see a movie, maybe take a walk, right? Simple enough, classic, nothing wrong with that. The second girl was dressed far more modestly. You knew there was something a little different about her, but you can't put your finger on it. And she had a rosary in her hand and maybe had a miraculous medal around her neck. So you're like, oh, okay, she's probably Catholic, right? You can see that. When I asked her, what's your ideal first date? She did say, well, we'll stop by the chapel and say a prayer together, and then we'll go out to dinner and a movie. Again, somewhat reasonable, a little more Catholic in devotion, makes sense. The third girl, you should have seen her. I mean, it was, it was hysterical. So imagine an incredibly modest grandmother from the 1950s, okay? So I mean, in a skirt that was sweeping the floor, like a blouse that was to the top of her neck and long-sleeved and very frilly. So she had a full-size image of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus she carried around with her. She had around her neck every possible medal to every possible saint. I mean, it was huge. I don't know how she just stood there. It must have weighed her down, right? And a big cross. I mean, it was ridiculous. And when I asked her what her ideal date was, she goes, well, we'll begin with confession. And then we will go to a holy hour in front of the blessed sacrament, discerning our vocations. Then we'll go to mass. And then we'll pray a rosary, asking God whether we should continue this date or not. So, <laughs> So, obviously, everybody got a big kick out of that. It was very funny. So, um, last night when I was telling the story, I didn't tell the punchline. So, at Franciscan University, there is a a household, it's like a fraternity, there's a household of men who discern the priesthood. And if you're in that household, you're not allowed to date. So, at the end of the show, when I was asked to decide, I was like, oh, this is really difficult, sound like great women, I don't know. You know, I can't make a decision. And I tore off my shirt. And I, underneath, I had a shirt for that household of men discerning the priesthood. I I'm, I'm said, I'm sorry, I can't choose any of you, and I ran off stage. <laughs> it, was, it went really well. So now, the, the point is, yes, sometimes we see those uber Catholics who are a little more obsessed with the Blessed Virgin and with the saints than others. And we can think maybe there's something a little wrong with them. You know, Can you love the saints, or can you love, in particular, the Blessed Virgin Mary too much, can be too devoted to her? And to answer that, I will read to you a quote that a young lady from our parish, she made me a bookmark, and she knew one of my favorite saints, St. Maximilian Kolbe, and she wrote me a quote of his on that bookmark, and this is what St. Maximilian says. He says, never be afraid of loving the Blessed Virgin too much. You can never love her more than Jesus did. No matter your devotion, you can always have a greater love and devotion to her, because you still don't love her as much as her son. Now, how much did Jesus love her? You can tell the degree of love that one person has for another on the type of gifts that they give to that person. What are they willing to sacrifice to give away to make the other person happy? And Jesus gave Mary not only all of the graces she could possibly possess, right? He kept her free from sin at the moment of her conception. He filled her with the Holy Spirit. All of the graces of God filled her from the first moment of her existence. What more could he give her? There was something more. He gave himself. Jesus Christ belongs to her, not because she has a right to him, because he chose her as his mother. What more could he have given her than himself? She was the first Christian to truly receive the Eucharist in that sense when he became incarnate in her womb. His body, blood, soul, and divinity dwelled within her. Notice how much Jesus loves us. At the Holy Mass, he is doing the same thing not in the same unique way that she received, but he is offering us his body, blood, soul, and divinity to dwell within us. If you want to love the Blessed Mother rightly, you must do what Christ did. You must offer her all of yourself. And even that will never be enough. But you don't have to worry about doing that. The reason you can't love the Blessed Mother or be devoted to her too much is because she won't let you. She's such a good disciple of the Lord. If you start to get a little too overly attached, she's going to be like, okay, okay, that's enough. Go over to Jesus now. Go spend some time with my son. (laughs) She's not going to let you worship her. She put a stop to that right away. So don't be afraid. Don't worry. I would challenge you to continue to increase your love and your devotion to her. You know, the classic methods always work. Daily recitation of the Rosary, wearing her scapular, consecrating yourself to her and her Immaculate Heart. There are many, many others. If you have an image of the King of Heaven and Earth, Jesus Christ, in your home, you should have an image of the Queen, his mother. So many classic, basic things that we can do just to begin that devotion. But remember, her power to intercede for us is already paramount. I mean, it's, it's, she's second only to Christ himself. But the more devoted to her you are, the more easily she can intercede for you. Because the more ready you are to hear her voice and take her direction. There will be no peace in the world... There will be no peace in the world or any society until the heart of Jesus Christ triumphs. But the heart of Christ cannot triumph in any society until the Immaculate Heart of Mary triumphs. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.